I'm your host, Dylan Singel Bay. Uh, and I'm, I'm Adam. I'm also your host. And this is uh, Music, Music in, in the, the Kitchen. kitchen. There we go. Music in the Kitchen itself is a show that discusses the intersection between art and business. Business. One of the things we like to say about Music in the Kitchen is what's behind the name? What's it all about? Why Music in the Kitchen? Well, what do you do in the kitchen? You cook. You try new recipes. You experiment with new ingredients. But the underlying truth is that you're doing something productive, something that you will benefit from, something that will have tangible value to you. But doesn't mean that you can't play a bit of music in the kitchen. Doesn't mean you can't do that. Doesn't mean you can't have some fun while you're doing something productive and valuable. This podcast itself, it's going to have a theme. theme. It's going to have questions, questions that we ask. It's going to have guests. Guests. It's not just going to be us talking back and forth as we usually do, but this is the tone of it. Picture you're at a breakfast with us. Let's consider you the fly on the wall in this, yeah. and there are two people sitting at a table, possibly a third when we have guests on. We're two grown men and you're a fly. And you know, my biggest fear, just before before we cut this, because this is so getting 86 uh, my biggest fear is uh, being one of those people that says, I have a podcast I'm working on, and then they just make some fucking podcasts that no one gives a shit about. We want to give you something to remember, so, you know, we're going to really, we're going to really give it our all. <laughs> what, what the fuck? Already interrupted. Well, that's what happens when you're recording a uh, podcast yeah. in the back of an apparel store. Back of an apparel store and God knows what else. This place has a lot of character to it. Yeah. Uh, a very much a vintage apparel store. And a recording studio. And a recording studio. On Commercial Drive at the Front Supply. Front Supply on Venable Street. First of all, I mean, I think it takes a certain kind of person to do a podcast where they think they can actually entertain someone. A lot of people think that I put on a certain voice. And maybe at one point in my life that was true. Maybe at one point in my life, the voice I'm using right now was a voice that I fabricated. But now, it's just how I talk. I can't fucking help it. We're opening up about how we really feel. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, as someone who had an actual speech impediment and still has a lisp, I could debatably already be in speech therapy right now, again, for the third time. Uh, I have no sympathy for you. I think you were blessed with a gift of a voice. Uh, I'm jealous. I appreciate you saying that. Yeah. I've well, always wanted to be on the radio. I've... I wanted to be on the radio as a kid. I, when it was grade 12, around that time, I wanted to call the Canucks games on the radio. I thought one day that would be my calling. Sportscaster. Yeah, exactly. And I went to, uh, I did the test at BCIT for the program. And I remember one of the questions on there, uh, on the exam was, uh, name three radio stations you listen to in Vancouver and say why. And I wrote, I don't listen to three. I listen to one. I listen to the Team 1040. I'm a sports fan. And then they told me later on that my interests were too narrow. Well, you only like sports. I mean, I'm sorry. I don't like top 40 garbage. I didn't like it then. I don't like it now. Well, hold on. Was there ever a time where top 40, Z95.3, where that appealed to you? Where like, Yeah. And... Honestly, like if, if top 40 sounded like that, I might still be into top 40. Yeah. But it just doesn't. But yeah, I uh, used to definitely start out with Z as a kid. Then I remember getting beat 94.5 and Nira Aurora in the morning. Right. And I remember hearing the ads about DJ Alibaba and $3 highballs at the Plaza of Nations. <laughs> if you know, you know. Uh, but I think ultimately before all of that, the precursor was the boy band era. Me and my sister, when we were like, in, I must have been like eight or nine years old, we'd watch a show on Friday nights called The Hit List on YTV, which was like, it counted down like the top 30 songs at the time. And it was great. I would look forward to it all week. And it was all boy bands in hindsight. <laughs> that was a really big thing back then. And uh, 
you know, uh, eventually you explore, you kind of internet becomes more of a thing. Streaming methods change. You have Kazaa and like downloads at your fingertips. And I don't mind saying that I legally downloaded music because I think the legal, the, how much, however much time had to pass for them to do anything is definitely passed by now. Right. And uh, I got away free. I mean, now you got Spotify. Kids, yeah. kids now, I mean, like aren't going to grow up with the radio unless like they're just getting driven to school. That's it. Why would you listen to radio if you have uh, something on your phone that never has ads? I mean, that's such a big part of it. It's like, imagine like hearing 30% more music with the same amount of time. One of the main appeals of listening to the radio is the experience of listening to the radio. It's the contrast between you know, music that you have heard in the past, combination of music that you haven't heard yep. ever, uh, and a disc jockey leading you through that, conducive to a, a sexy drive home. But the balance of that and what I wouldn't be getting if I was listening to a Spotify playlist is this guy's voice comes back in after every song. He comes back in, he tells you about it. He says something along the lines of, you know, that was Universal Audio. That's and true. Gives some commentary on it, leads you then into the next song. It feels like a communal listening experience. Radio to me isn't the music that they play. Radio to me is the voice that leads you through the music. Okay. Like anything in life, I think you'd be wise to make a pro and con list. And I'm not going to do that in detail right now, but I think the obvious, I mean, let me ask you this question. Sure. Are all the inconveniences of listening to radio worth the guy talking? I don't think that the abundance of advertising is worth the guy talking. I have to agree with you. I think that the abundance of advertising has the effect of encouraging you to change the channel. Business is really cruel. People change. And when there's a better option out there that appeals to more people, they go with it. I, I, it's it's kind of sad because, you know, you're right. There's a lot of, like, my dad grew up with a guy named Wolfman Jack who had this really unique, if you've ever seen the movie American Graffiti, you hear his voice multiple times, and he's, like, a fucking legend. But Wolfman Jack's dead. He died a long time ago. And I don't even think he has kids. So there's no little wolf boy there's out No here. little wolf boy Jack? No, wolf, wolf boy girl. Jack. No, it's just Nero Aurora and 40 ads for TELUS. But if, if, if I may, yeah, how bad it. is it to fail? It's as bad as you allow it to be. Yeah. It's not It's not hard to fail. People fail all the time. People fail all the time. So how bad could it be? I think the real question here is, when it comes to failure, how hard are you going to be on yourself for failing? I, you know, my, my business dad's printing resulted from a failure uh, and then a pivot. Uh, you know, I realized what wasn't working. I was brought to my attention that people needed something that I could provide, and I transitioned. And, you know, that's... I like to think it's an example of how to make a failure work for yourself. A lot of people just, they fail and then they get all mopey and they just don't look for a way out because they just, again, they're so afraid to try something to get out yeah. because they just failed. So now they're like doubling down on their failure, Yeah, which is a shame. It's, it's truly a shame. Rejection is, is one of the better opportunities that you're given in life to make a change. Rejection comes with a very raw feeling of disappointment. It provides you with a a necessity and a freedom to think about what you're doing differently and to try something else. Yeah, because what you were doing didn't work out. It's time to change lanes. It's time to drive a little faster. And now you know that because you just failed. Exactly. Success is one of the worst things you can encounter. Once you succeed, it's all gone to shit. Your head's up your own asshole and you just think everything you do is perfect. Yeah. If it was up to me, I'd fail every day. Every step would be a trip. I would trip every time I walk. And here I am somehow failing at walking by succeeding. So what's the real failure? Not you in this situation.
Yeah, Dylan wanted to actually intern for Steven Spielberg once upon a time, and you know, you know, he traveled to L.A., found his house, and waited outside there for two weeks. Yeah, I did to find out he was he was in Boca Raton. Yeah. Uh, at, at, you know, with, with with some family, it turns out. So Steven pulls up, I guess, with like heavily security clad cars and stuff, and Dylan couldn't have been more than thirty yards from him. Uh, yelling, Steven, you need a hire? He says no. And he yeah. walks off. I and, said, and Dylan was so angry. I, I revised it after he said he didn't need a hire. I, I yelled at him. I said, I'll do it for free. And he said, I don't want you on my property. And I thought it was mean. He put the, well, no, Steven Spielberg, this is a petty move of him. I don't really, I'm not a fan after this, but he decides to put the CCTV video online and says, don't try to work for me like this fool. You know, I admire the guy. Absolutely. How could you I, admire I someone who is that mean to you? I don't hold it against them. That's just the industry. That's okay. just how it works. Also, what was I doing standing outside his place for two weeks? Two weeks of sitting there waiting. <laughs> and I didn't have anything prepared. That like that entire time, you'd think that I was in some way thinking about how I could you know, revise my pitch. You just make it there. more appealing. I sat there. And when he did show up, all I could say was... Do you need a hire? I didn't have anything prepared. And well, shit, you know, I didn't deserve that. Steven, I don't know if you remember me. He did post about you on the on his Insta. I couldn't believe how petty it was for like a such a successful guy to like go after you like that. I was thrilled that Steven Spielberg would, would post about me. Started some... the hashtag get a job targeted <laughs> at you. Couldn't believe it. Uh, so that was none of that was true. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I have not stalked Steven Spielberg, but I do admire the man. I, I don't honestly... I don't have a particular affinity to any director other than Wes Anderson. I like symmetry a lot, so I'm quite into Wes Anderson. I bet. That's more That's more like an, just kind of my thing, though. It's funny. It, most businesses are grateful when someone spends $30,000 with you, but schools make it. They make you feel like you're lucky. And maybe we should just establish our stances on this. Dylan, you went to UBC, right? I went to UBC. I was in post-secondary. I graduated with a Bachelor's of English Literature. Yeah, great. Great for getting work. Yes, really set me up for work in liquor stores. And me, I got expelled from Langara College. I, I don't have a cool story to tell. I always tell people on a if, I'm, if we're on a first date, hopefully not too many of those left. Uh, I'll say I drove a bus through the school wall. Uh, it's not true. I don't have my driver's license. You no, know, he just uh, he just sort of disappeared one day. Uh, not exactly. I, I was trying to make it work, but I just didn't have any passion for it. You know, my teachers didn't speak to me, and I had just started this little company called Hometown Apparel, which was... Right. We sold uh, knockoff snapbacks, which is how I started in clothing. And, uh, you know, I had a lot of passion for that and I had no passion for school. So yeah. one day I remember getting a letter in the mail saying uh, you I was already on academic probation, but uh, right. they just told me you can't come back here for at least a year. And I had had some personal stuff happen in my life. I thought maybe I could contest it. But at the end of the day, I was just like I said a bit of a crossroads where it's like, do I want to do the thing that gives me a lot of passion that I really enjoy growing or the thing that I go to because someone else wants me to? You can see how that's not a hard crossroad to actually figure out which way you want to go. It's, it's not a hard crossroads to figure out which one you want, but to commit to the one that is riskier, which is probably the one relating to your passion, right? Which is funny because it's, it's funny how that's riskier. Like the thing I'm already making work is riskier than going to school and getting just turds for marks. One of the things I've noticed in terms of the employers uh, who have hired me in yeah. the past, it's not... What was your GPA? Yeah. What was your attendance record? It's it's none of that. It's the fact that you have gone through it and it's an indication of your sense of discipline. Can you stick with something once you've once you've committed to it? And I'm I'm more on the other end of this. I do a little because it probably reinforced your discipline. Yeah. And I have no discipline. Uh I'm unemployable. You're the CEO of a printing company. 
what is unemployable in this context? I mean, I'm very employable, but I don't want to work for anyone else. <laughs> I'm unemployable at my choice. Got it. Yeah, I would. I, I would. Totally. Be, I, I couldn't do it. I would. I would just get angry. Try putting a lion in a duck cage. Fair enough. And you came to that at an early age. Yes. I came to that at an early age and I saw, it was the first time in my life that I felt like I saw something actually working for me. I didn't really feel like I had had a success before that, believe it or not. At, at 19 or 18, I was just, just failure after failure, trying to be this, trying to be that, uh, not getting the chance with this girl, not having that friend, not being in that social circle to finally have people like contact me to get what I'm putting out there. Holy shit. Is that validating? defined by what you yourself are bringing to the table as opposed to how you're representing a company. I don't know where I'd be if I didn't have that ever happen. I don't think it would be good. I think it would be very, very bleak. Like, jail, homeless. Like, I don't think it would have worked out for me very well, man. And I'm not just trying to be dramatic. I I really really think that, and I don't have to think about it, which is great. Gotcha. Because I fucking did it. You know, I've I've been a follower all my life, and I've largely... (laughs) I've contented myself with the idea that if I'm, I'm a valuable part of a team, uh, then you know my that is my purpose. Only recently have I realized that I really, did, I, I choose to define myself beyond that as my own voice, as someone who represents themselves. It's fucking scary, is what I'll say. Uh, the idea, in some ways, you feel like you have you have you've tied your sense of self-worth and your self-purpose to you know to the approval of your employer employer your employer your clients you you if they like you you like yourself and it's their opinion that matters so you're gonna be a little bitch yeah well i guess in some ways Not i you, have like, the <laughs> listener ultimately you yourself have a voice you yourself have interests that deviate from what you're doing on a daily basis nope. you are at work wherever it is you work but there's always something that's taking your mind and drifting off. Speaking from personal experience. I'm going to drop some game for everyone. I'm sure you know what a puppet is, right? Puppet. P-U-P-P-E-T. We all know what puppets are. Inside the puppet is always a hand. Are you going to be the hand or the puppet? Think about it. I ain't no fucking rug rat. Wait, no. that's not that's not a puppet. I ain't no muppet. That's okay. I ain't no Muppet Puppet. One of our, our teachers in high school, he would refer to us as Rugrats. And yeah, Mr. New? Yeah. Never yeah. had him, only heard good things. He was, a, he was a good guy. A character. I mean, it's so generic to say he is a good guy. If, if someone comes up to me and he says, oh, he's a great guy, it's almost like the, the whole term yeah. great guy or good guy has kind of lost its meaning. Uh, I actually feel like when someone says he's a nice guy, it's not a positive. It's, it's not. like there's nothing better you can say, is there? Exactly. Like let's let's can you can you go a step further with your assessment of this person? I think also just in my experiences, maybe I'm a slightly jaded about it, and people telling me that someone's a great guy and me being ultimately disappointed with how. Yeah, a great guy in what sense? <laughs> in the sense that they... He's never done a bad thing in his life. Great. Maybe maybe in the sense that they make you feel good about yourself. Oh, he's a great guy because he validates me or he gives me affirmation or That's I feel good truth. around him. Uh, but, you know, what does that say about you in this situation? Is you, he there when you? Uh, is he there when your uh, best friend dies? Is he there when your girlfriend leaves you? Uh, has he ever made your night better? Or has he just taken some of the air out of the room? Right. How is he with others, too? Like, how, how is he with people he's just met that you really want him to get along does he, with? Did he expand your circles or just take part of yours? Exactly. You know? Or what has he brought to your life? Have you done something new together? The phrase, nice guys finish last, is a really true phrase, in my opinion. It's not to say that being nice will put you in last place, but if the best thing I could say about you is that you were nice, 
then there's not a lot to say about you. Damn straight. And if I'm not a nice guy for saying that, I don't want to be that. But I'm a really good friend, and I'm a really good fuck. I can attest to one of those things. He is a phenomenal friend. And <laughs> by all accounts. You know, I, I, I got called out by an ex once. I told her at the time, because it was like a month and a half in, I said, we're spending too much time together. I think this is going really fast, and I don't know if I can offer what you want. I, I wanted to be with her, but I just I wanted to do this in a way that was sustainable. I was right to make that call, by the way, because it didn't last much longer after that. But one of the things she said in her tirade that followed, I heard about all these things that suddenly were issues. I didn't eat her out enough. Okay. We don't have to have but, this on the show. And I'm not going to get into detail, but it's something I put a lot of effort into after. And, you know, I'm, it's one of the things I'm best at now. And... I'm proud to say it. You know, it's a good skill. It 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 pays back in spades. That's you taking some constructive criticism and not getting defensive about it. If you never do something and someone says you're bad at it, why would you be offended by that? Oh, yeah. you're right. The thing I have no practice at, I'm bad at. It's How something. arrogant are you to think you'd be good at everything before doing it? Well, it's it's an expression of insecurity, and you're being defensive because you don't like to hear these things about yourself. You don't want to accept these things about yourself. Funny enough. The, th- the thing I just realized now is that the, after you said that, is that realization for me came after she actually performed the exact same flaw you spoke of. She couldn't take it. And so she went on a tirade, but oh, it made yeah. me better. Layers to it, man. In the midst of a breakup, one of the hardest things to do is maintain your composure. Uh, it's never the loudest person that comes out looking the best. Yeah. It is much better to regret the bad thing that you didn't say than it is to regret the bad thing that you did. This is weird. I agree with you. And it's so against my character, but I agree with you. I, I would always be the person who said the regrettable thing, but I think you're actually kind of dead on with this. Yeah. I mean, I was in a relationship where I think for the first time in my life, money came into the conversation. And that was something that I, you know, initially was a bit blindsided by because, well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I haven't always been good with my money. That's true. I haven't always worked in an industry that has loaded my pockets up with dough, but I guess there's this this naive perception that, uh, oh, you know, if you care about each other enough, money shouldn't factor into it. No, here's the thing. It's, <laughs> it's not an attack on your character. It's not calling you a poor person. It's not that you can't, you know, you don't drive a Maserati. Uh, I'm speaking from the perspective of a 29-year-old man who lives on his own, who doesn't have kids. Hey, that's me. There are some things in our life that we can afford to cut out, certain extravagances. And I think some people will listen to this and they'll be like, I already know that. I've already done that. And you know what? Good for you. Yeah, I, I, you. I appreciate that. That's great. We're trying to get to your level here. Uh, Sorry, we're not there yet. You know, we're, we're getting there. We're maybe, getting we're, maybe there. this is therapeutic for us. You know, this you don't is... know the reason we make the show. Well, we we have to make mistakes. We have to be the guy who is wasteful to improve upon that. We, you know, we, we can't succeed right away. We have to come up against failure. And sometimes failure is retrospective. Sometimes you look back on what all of the bad habits that you have in your life, and you realize I failed. But in yeah. the past tense. The present is yours to seize. You're not going to, in most cases, get rich tomorrow off an idea you had today. But you might be setting the foundations for it. And, you know, life is long if you play your cards right. You know, down the down the road, you might prosper from it. Like, some of the investments I made, the things I considered five, six years ago, they've, they've been great. I haven't... I'm 29 now. I had my bar mitzvah at 15. I haven't touched my bar mitzvah for money. So it's just been gaining interest every year. And... If I had, and I wanted to as a kid, I really wanted to touch it. I wanted to buy dumb shit. I'm sure I'd feel stupid now. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I don't have to think about it till I need it. That's, that's freedom right there, actually. 
freedom is not having to think about it and just doing what you want. You know, have you traveled the world? Have you had your fair share of flings? Have you become almost tired of the immature things you used to do? The, the things that seemed mature back then that are now seemingly less and less mature. That's called growth, by the way. It's not a bad thing. Like this podcast. Music, Music in, in the, the kitchen. kitchen.